You're in the doghouse now. Brendan Boylan and Tyler Helms riding shotgun as always. We have a big week of Gardner Web Sports. We're going to discuss men's basketball against Liberty and also looking ahead in the tournament, the women against Longwood this week. Also looking ahead to the tournament after that. Baseball's had a really good season. Softball did well in Alabama. So keep it locked right here. You're in the doghouse starting now. All right, Tyler, let's jump right in. Starting with men at Liberty. The men fall short in a battle for fifth place, 86-81. to 81. And a big reason for that was Liberty came out playing almost small ball, something, we were, something we're used to seeing a lot more now with a team like the Golden State Warriors. This team came out and played five behind the arc, nobody challenging the inside in this game. Well, and it really forced Gardner-Webb to play three guards. And Gardner-Webb is a team that really likes to get Tyrell Nelson the ball down low unable to do so in part of Liberty coming out playing so much small ball, but it doesn't help that Nelson gets in foul trouble either. Well, the other thing with that was really early in that game in Lynchburg, you could sense that Lasan Neongane almost knew he would not be on the floor for very long. Looking at the starting lineups for Liberty in that game, the tallest player for Liberty was A.C. Reed, stands about six foot five. That was in the starting lineup. They had another player come off the bench who's 6'10", but when Lasson's going to have to keep up with a guy who's six foot five, is probably a lot more agile than a six ten Lasson Niangane. You know he's not going to get a lot of minutes. But the thing that really made me hesitant to, to say anything on the air was that when the six foot ten player for Liberty and, and right now the, I can't remember the name when he came on the floor, I expected oh okay let's put Lasson to match and that never happened. Um, Isaiah Ivey played power forward for majority of that game, and we've talked about Isaiah before being a shorter power forward. But playing small ball really worked for Isaiah in this game. Well, Isaiah probably stayed on the floor instead of Niagane coming on because Ivey was extremely hot in this game. 32 points and just 34 minutes off the bench. So he actually plays most of the game coming off of the bench, really good shooting performance, just not enough to get it done for Gardner-Webb in this game. They put up 81 points as a team. Ivy has 32 of those. Well, and Ivy had a really good day, 8 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 7 from downtown, and the biggest number in this game, and maybe the one that's going to get forgotten, was he was perfect from the line, 11 for 11. Well, Exactly, Brennan. You and I, something we have discussed numerous times is this running Bulldogs team lives or dies by the three ball. And Gardner-Webb has a good shooting performance from behind the arc, goes 12 for 27, but Liberty just outshoots them going 17 for 36, 63 combined attempts for behind the three-point line in this game. It was a big game in terms of three-point shooting. It got to the point where Whitney Noble's sitting next to me and Jared Pankhurst and taps us on the shoulder and kind of points to his laptop during one of the breaks. And he was really thinking that this might be a game where the record for threes put up in an NCAA game might be broken. And it looked that way for a long time. Now, there was only a combined... see if I can do quick math in my head. Only a combined 30 points in the paint in the entire game, and everything else came from either the line 
or behind the arc. A, a really interesting game. Obviously, this game for fifth place in that first round by. Liberty ends up getting the first round by in fifth. They could have moved up to fourth. There was a couple scenarios where things could have worked out, but they stay in fifth. Gardner-Webb gets sixth, but the luck of the draw was not too nice to them, but we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. Let's go ahead and move to another team that has played pretty well this season, Tyler. Yes, yeah, so we're going to look at the softball team. They go three and two on their road trip to Alabama, now putting them 9-6 and six overall on the season. They're 6-4 and four at home, so a little bit better play at home than on the road. But 3-2 and two on the road trip, it's not that bad. Anytime you can come back home winning the series, you're pretty happy with that. Well, obviously, what you said is 100% true, but also going and playing a tournament against some bigger name schools and some schools that you might see down the road if you're fortunate enough to get in the NCAA tournament. I'm talking Akron being a, a Division One school, and you lose to them, but you get some really valuable experience for a really young running Bulldogs team. You know, the one struggle that they had here is the bats really just didn't come alive on the road trip like they have been at home. The most runs you put up in a game is 12, but it's a little bit of an anomaly there. Or then you have two other games where you put up five runs, then four and one. But what's interesting is the game that you only managed to put up one run, you win that game one to nothing over Howard. Summer Darnell gives up three hits over seven scoreless innings and 11 Ks in that win. Well, talking about pitching, Mackenzie Thompson moves to 6-0 and on the season. Last time we talked about her was the last podcast, when she was our Athlete of the Week. And at that time, her ERA was sitting at 0.37, and now she's moving to 6-0. Yeah, she's moving to 6-0. The ERA is bumped up a little bit, 2.33. But she pitched in three of those five games over the road trip. She's clearly the pitcher that the running Bulldogs are going to continue to turn to to have in the circle as often as they can. And we talked about it a little bit in softball. It's a little different from baseball. In baseball, we're used to seeing pitchers get multiple days off and especially in the majors now you're seeing pitchers get almost weeks off in softball you're expected to throw just about every day and as you said three of those five games she pitched in over the course of three days so essentially pitching once a day really good job by the softball team hopefully they can come home get those bats going again and hopefully make some runs towards great things this season let's talk about women's basketball uh, obviously, they have one more game left before they leave for the tournament in Nashville. We'll get to that. Over the weekend, they traveled to the beach. They went to Coastal Carolina. I told you, as happy as I was to go to Lynchburg and call the guys game, who scheduled me to go to Lynchburg instead of the beach? Didn't uh, It is what it is. And the women's team came out 61-51 winners in that game. And Olivia Parker just doing it. Again and again and again. Brendan, you and I have looked at the seniors all year long for this team, really having to carry the load, especially in a game that you don't get much production from your point guards or your guard positions at all outside of Candace. Alexis Hill and Tierra Huntsman really struggling in this game. But you look back at Olivia. She goes for 16 and 16 in this game against Coastal. And don't forget the three blocks. You know, this is a player who 
has won one player of the year, or not player of the year, excuse me, up for player of the year, has one player of the week only one time this season. But you look at numbers like that and you question how. You know, she's second in the entire conference in rebounding. She's in the top four in terms of points per game. She's second in blocks total, maybe third. She's just been insanely good, but she's almost living in the shadow of Candace Brown. Now, it's kind of funny. You could say, well, Olivia's taller, so how is she living in the shadow? But Candace has now won her third Big South Player of the Week, which is most in the conference this season. And in this game, she has 21 points, 9 boards, 2 steals, and 2 assists. Here's something funny. She plays 3-guard, which is something that a lot of people in the modern-day basketball world don't really recognize anymore my favorite example and maybe it's because I'm from the Atlanta area even though I don't root for the Hawks was always Joe Johnson Joe Johnson was always a really good three guard but you expect your three guard to score and Candace does that don't get me wrong as of right now she's first in the league in scoring but she also leads this team in assists she also leads this team in steals She's the best all-around player on the floor, and if the dogs want to make a run in the tournament, she's definitely going to be the key. Well, you threw out a lot of other numbers there for where she stays in the team, but at the three-guard position, she comes away with nine rebounds. That's huge as well if you can get your guard to have that many rebounds. And, Brendan, something that you and I have discussed a little bit is this team needs to get bench production throughout to make a good run. In this game, Evelyn Adebayo, five points and five rebounds, four of those offensive. Those numbers might not jump off the page to you, but if you go back and you look throughout the season, every little bit helps off this bench because the, you rely heavily on the starters and Parker and Brown. The bench production is nice when you can get it. Obviously, and Evelyn's definitely got more minutes as of late. The game that sticks out in my mind where she really solidified herself as the first player off the bench there was a game where Olivia got in foul trouble, and I couldn't quite remember what game that was. She ended up playing over 30 minutes in that game because of some of the struggles there. And she had 7-10 and 10 in that game. And we thought, wow, here's a freshman playing in Olivia Parker's spot, and you almost don't miss production, which is, is a little crazy. I'm going to go back to the point that you made, and bench production really hasn't been there all year. I'm 100% with you. Traveling with this team and really getting to know this team, it's really hard because you look at the bench that they have and outside of Kiara Curry and Celia Tibbs, I think the rest of them are freshmen. I might be missing one, maybe one, but I think they're all freshmen. But even then, Kiara's the only junior. Celia's a sophomore. You're looking at a lot of underclassmen on that team who have not been trusted to sit and give you great quality minutes. You've had one game all season where you have a player come off the bench and score more than 10 points against a Division I opponent. Only once. And that was at high point. Morgan Ackerman has 11. Given not taking anything away from Morgan, she's a three-point shooter. So if anyone's going to get 10 points, that means Morgan's got to hit three threes and a free throw a layup something 
you know, the only other game this season was a game you and I had called. I think the only game we've called for women's basketball that both of us was against Montreat, which is not a Division One school. And Charlisa Jenkins, I think, had 10 off the bench. So what does that tell you? you, you as you said, you do need bench production. So it's going to be interesting to see how Adebayo fills that role. Because in this game, she got 22 minutes. And Olivia played a lot of the five. And for Olivia to be playing the five, you're thinking, wow, well, either Olivia's doing great on the glass, which in this game she did, or there's something else going on to where there's a four player that just needs to be played. Well, you mentioned having on this bench so many freshmen. And Gardner-Webb has found himself in a lot of tight ball games this season. And so those girls really haven't seen a ton of playing time off of the bench, haven't went very deep on the bench because of playing a lot of close games. But on the game is when Gardner-Webb has a little bit bigger of a lead for themselves. You'll see some of the bench come in towards the end to at least get those girls some experience because next year you're not going to have Olivia or Candace. And a couple of those girls are going to have to step up in a big way. Yes, yeah, six freshmen on this roster. And as you said, at the end of this season, you lose two players that have scored over 1,000 points in their career here at Gardner-Webb. They're both looking to finish around the 15, number 15th all-time in scoring here. Put them on the floor at the same time, and wow, that's some really impressive stats. Here's one that I really liked. Candace Brown... We talked about it. she's a guard, technically a three guard. Has more defensive rebounds in her career than Olivia Parker. She's five foot nine. And right now in the conference, she's the only guard in the top ten in rebounding. So let's see how, how that works out, and hopefully we can get some more bench production out of this team. And I think we'll be coming back to Candace a little later. She's gonna join me in a little bit. Uh, let's keep going. Dominating dog performance of the week. A, Series where you were there for all four games, I was there for a game, and it just seemed like this team, oh, they got a win yesterday against A&T, one to nothing. It's just a team that's rolling, Tyler. Yes, and we're referring to the Gardner-Webb baseball team, now 9-0 and on the season, continuing to find ways to get the victories. Now 3-0 and on the season in extra innings. And Brendan, you mentioned you were there for game four. We'll get to that in a little bit. Gardner-Webb starts this series off hot, coming out with an 11-1 to win, everybody collecting base hits. And in a game that really wasn't all that flashy, you still put up 11 runs. It was a lot of singles right back up the middle, a couple of doubles, no home runs in any of this four-game set. But still as a team, all the bats were clicking on all cylinders, find a way to put up 11 runs. But then you look at the rest of the series, and it gets a little bit more interesting. You have a doubleheader on Saturday. You come away with a 4-2 win in the first game. Then in the second game of that doubleheader, only scheduled to go seven innings, you end up playing 10 innings, picking up a 3-2 win. And then in game four, Brendan, I'll let you talk about it a little bit, as it was the one game that you were there. Man, first and foremost... That doubleheader, I knew you were here, and I knew you were calling the game, and I was calling the game in Lynchburg, and I was coming back, and I put the game on, and it was like the sixth inning, and it was tied in the sixth, and I said, oh, well, 
if Tyler has to call a few more innings, it's not going to hurt him because you're a baseball nut. And then I saw the final score. I was like, wow. Honestly, you, you were there calling baseball for probably the entire time I was on the road to Lynchburg and back. So props to you for that one first and foremost. Going into game four, it was it was a weird game. You know, I PA'd that game, and it was a weird game. Because it seemed that Iona hit everything off Bradley Hallman straight back at him. Which, you know, tells you that one of two things. Either they're batting really well, or Bradley's location's not there. Especially if they're getting slammed right back at him. And it just seemed like Iona had the momentum, and had the momentum, and had the momentum. Then Gardner does a four-run inning. And you're like, okay, well, still, they're down... We're still losing. I don't see us coming back. And what do you know? I mean, cardiac kids maybe be be a good term for this team. But again, going to extra innings. And again, you know, there was a game earlier this season. They were down two in extra innings and came back and won. In this game, I thought there was no chance whatsoever. There was a bonehead play in, I believe it was the ninth inning, where you had a runner on third with one out and you couldn't get him home. You tried a squeeze play, and your batter couldn't get the bunt down, so this guy's already stealing home. Easy tag, and that's that. Maybe not a bonehead mistake. Really gutsy call, didn't work your way. Maybe a better way of saying that. Well, and that wasn't the only crazy play in that game. You go now to an inning later, you think Gardner-Webb is going to pick up the victory there. You have bases loaded, only one out. Colin Thacker hits a ball into the outfield. All the runners on base thought that the ball was caught. The ball was not caught. The outfielder throws it home for an out, then over to third base to turn the double play to keep the game going. And it was just it was just insane all the way around. It was an insane series, and the way that it ended was odd, too. It was another one where Thacker comes up to the plate. He's got guys on base with two outs and all you're thinking is get a hit and he sends one deep to right and the way the right fielder was going after that ball uh mark rab was next to me and and somebody whether it was mark or whether it was bridges or, or somebody said i guess we're waiting another inning and as soon as that was said the fielder goes up with his glove, and I think I think it's in his glove. I think it's over. You know, end of the eleventh. Let's go to the twelfth, and the ball falls somehow, some way. And I'm not, it was not a routine catch. I mean, he had to go towards the wall and, and try to make a good play. But that's not nearly as crazy as some of the stuff that happened. But that I think determines and defines this series really well. I just want to. But one more thing out there. Over the course of the four-game series, Gardner-Webb pitchers go for 34 strikeouts. They only throw one in that last game. And, Brennan, in our last podcast, I mentioned if these bats fell asleep, it might be all right because the pitching staff wasn't giving up many runs. But it was a good thing the bats didn't fall asleep because Gardner-Webb really needed them in this series. You know, that last game especially, you know, when you only have one strikeout in a game that should tell you from just looking at the stats that either your pitcher wasn't there or the bats were really hot for the other team. But 
in the case of Gardner-Webb, it seemed like the bats were with them. And a 4-0 series sweep, 9-0 on the season. And now they're one of the best teams in NCAA Division I baseball, according to that. There's not a lot of teams with a 9-0 record at this point. Well, let's jump in. We talked about it a little bit, was these tournaments coming up for both the men and the women. Uh, The men play tonight against Campbell in the tournament at Campbell. And we talked about a little bit how it seemed they just could not get the luck of the draw here. And two things with that one is, first and foremost, Campbell is one of the hottest teams in the league right now. You don't look at wins. You you look at how this team's progressed over the season. They've got a lot better. Second, it's a primetime game, which don't get me wrong. Primetime games are fun for anybody involved, whether it's you and I commentating, whether it's the fans, whether it's the players, you're excited to get that primetime slot. But you get a primetime slot in the tournament in the first round against the team who's hosting the tournament. Which is going to be huge for Campbell in this game. We mentioned they're playing a lot better basketball of late. But their fans don't have to travel anywhere. You look there at Campbell, and it's going to be the case for the whole tournament. If Campbell advances, they have the advantage of being on their home court. It's not that big of an arena, so any teams trying to travel in, fans to come in, there's not going to be that many there. And, Brendan, we look at this. We mentioned Campbell playing good basketball. Gardner-Webb and Campbell split the season series at one game apiece, each winning on their own home court. When you look at those games, and it wasn't like either team went and really dominated the other. The game here in Boiling Springs, Gardner-Webb won that one on the 6th of January, 71-68. to But then you go just a month later, February 11th, at Campbell, and this one sticks out to me because I had something going on and you were texting me saying turn the game on because we were up by 10 in that game and you texted me something like they blew it again. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? We were up by 10 like five minutes ago, you know, late in the game. And uh, ironically, I was just walking, walking around in, in the Tucker Student Center and one of the students had the game on their laptop. And I went, oh my gosh, Tyler's right. And they end up dropping that game in overtime, you know, 89-85. And again, you look at the stats in that game. And we've talked about it all year. The free throw shooting was there. But what's the one thing we've talked about all year being a problem for this team? That your big's getting in foul trouble. And this is another game where they're really going to have to stay out of foul trouble. You know, Tyrell, the best player on the team. Um, He is extremely close to breaking the points record here at Gardner-Webb. He'll do that next year. Unless Gardner-Webb's got some sort of tournament run up their sleeve. And then the NCAA tournament. But this is going to be a really tough game. As you said, the arena only sits about 3,500 people. It's a smaller arena. I mean, Paul Porter probably sits just a little more than that. But, as you said, you know, we have a student activities bus going up there with some students going to go up there, have a good time tonight. Bowie's Creek is such a small... Like, we think Boiling Springs is a small town. Bowie's Creek is a smaller town in the middle of nowhere. 
So to have people come out to this game is one thing, but for people to come out to a game in Bowie's Creek in the tournament which you host, there's no doubt about it. That place is going to be rocking tonight. Brennan, we've mentioned Nelson has to stay on the floor. Played good minutes when he was able to stay on the floor his last outing against Campbell. His fifth foul he picks up in that game was an offensive foul, trying to be aggressive to pick up an offensive rebound. Adonis Burbage, good outing in that game, 20 points. But, Brendan, for me, the key to this game, outside of the bigs being able to stay on the floor, is Dylan Poston has a has to have a bounce-back game, struggling last time out against Liberty. And for the running Bulldogs, you look to pick up this victory, not knowing who you would play in the second round yet. But I expect it to be a close game. Oh, it should be an absolutely close game. You know, there's one of my favorite sayings about any basketball tournament. Once you're in the dance, anything can happen. And this isn't the biggest dance. You know, this isn't your senior prom. This is probably like your junior prom. But anything can happen. Anything can happen. The 11th seed Campbell, who hosts the tournament, could win this entire thing. Gardner-Webb could win this entire thing. You know, you look at the standings for the Big South, and you think, wow, these teams are not far off each other. So it's going to be really interesting to see. It's on the Big South Network tonight at 7 o'clock. Make sure you tune into that. Um, baseball. Just got done talking about baseball. Let's go jump right back into baseball. They have a four-game series over the weekend against Ryder. Sadly, though, nothing's going to be on the Big South. We have a, a spring break here. And this is going to be an important game for the Dogs because this might be one of the first times that they've, they're have they playing a home series where they're really not going to have a ton of fans to back them out. Well, you mentioned I was there all four games last weekend. And actually really good fan support. Everybody likes to come and support a winning team. It's a lot easier to support a winning team than it is a losing team. So when you have a team that's 9-0, and everybody's coming out and say, oh, hey, what, you know, what's going on? The one thing the Bulldogs have going for them in this game is Ryder comes in 0-4 on the season. I don't remember all of their exact scores, but none of the games were really that close. For me, there's a couple of things I want to touch on. And, the you know, you're 9-0. It's kind of hard to look at there being any flaws. But if I have to nitpick at anything, it would be in this second series, Danny Sullivan still getting base hits, not that many RBIs, leaves some runners on base when he has a chance at the plate with runners on base. Look for Danny Sullivan to bounce back a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see how Holman bounces back in his next start as well, struggling a little bit in his second start of the season. Well, the biggest thing for me is you got to do a better job pitching, especially in this series. This is a Ryder team where their f- first two games, they allowed 12 runs each. And they were both UNC teams. It was like UNC Greensboro and UNC something else. I, I can't quite remember. There's so many UNCs. UNC Central, UNC whatever. They, they, played, a, they played two UNC teams and they got beat I think 12 to 4 in both games so I expect them to pitch better and try to figure it out therefore you can't rely on the bats forever the bats have done very well so far this season and you just came off a win a 1-0 win where your pitching looked good hopefully the pitching can be consistent you can get some of the bats going just a little bit I'm expecting not a bad series 
but the dogs to kind of slow it down a little bit, play some more tight games, and prove they can win those tight games, Tyler. You know, that's what I touched on a little bit. Holman has to have a bounce back game. Um, the rest of the pitching staff, not that bad. You look at the first three games of the last series, you only give up two runs, getting really good production out of the bullpen, lots of Ks out of the bullpen, not many hits given up. It just depends on how long the starters can go in the game. You mentioned Ryder losing 12-4 to two times out, but they put up four runs. And a couple of the games the Bulldogs have played recently, four runs is going to beat you. So, like you mentioned, the pitching staff has to continue to step up and be strong because at some point the bats are going to fall off. You can't stay hot forever. And one name that we haven't touched on that I'd really like to give some credit to, you mentioned the bullpen, Will Sellers has done a whole lot more than just pitch a few innings out of the bullpen. There's been games where he's pitched longer than the starters have, and he's done a fantastic job out of the bullpen. But again, baseball, a team sport, you can't rely on one guy coming out of the bullpen and bailing you out every game. Women's basketball at Longwood on Saturday. The running Bulldogs coming off back-to-back wins. Longwood coming off a win against Coastal Carolina. But this is a Gardner-Webb team that should be heavily favored. The last time these two teams met, 67-42 victors here in Boiling Springs. But Tyler, this is the fun part. You love how scheduling works. Because somehow, someway, the people that know these schedules, I guess, can see into the future. Because these last few games mean the world. Now, for Gardner-Webb, the easiest scenario here, against Longwood is you win and you clinch the third seed because at this point Asheville and Liberty are out of reach you can't get first and you can't get second sadly that's going to be fun though too because Liberty goes to PC that's not an easy game Asheville has a home game uh, on Saturday as well so first and second are already up there but for the dogs win and you get third you're almost, I don't even know if I can dare say this for some of these Gardner Webbs fans. You almost hope Liberty wins against PC to give you some extra breathing room. And you almost hope Radford loses as well, just because with everything that works, and it's a lot of math, and I don't really want to get into it that deep, there's a chance Gardner Webb could fall all the way to the fifth seed, where they've been sitting at third for almost a week and a half. So easy scenario, winning in, but Tyler, what are the keys to this one? For me, the keys to this one are look for Huntsman and Hill to bounce back in this game. Huntsman only puts up seven points on three of nine shooting in the first matchup against Longwood. Alexis Hill, this was really in the time of the season when she was really beginning to crank things up a notch, goes for 15 points in that game. You expect Olivia Parker to get hers and you expect Candace Brown to get hers. Those are the keys to me. Well, the one thing, you mentioned Tierra Huntsman and and Alexis Hill, and we'll throw a Rickism in here again. You know, Rick Reeves, one of the sayings he will repeat to anybody in the world is freshmen are roller coasters, sophomores are, are a little less hilly roller coasters. They're still up and down, but they're not as dramatic drops. And then juniors and seniors should just be an easy, steady train ride. But 
you look at these sophomores and you look at how Tierra Huntsman started the season. And Tierra Huntsman started the season like she never had knee surgery and that she didn't miss a beat. And Alexis Hill was awful. And I hate to say it, but when you shoot 8% from behind the arc, that, that's rough. That's really rough. Now, we had a little fun thing the other day. She's up to 50% in 2016 by herself. When the math balances out, it's somewhere in the 30s. But 50% since then. So she's really got hot. And Tierra's really dropped. They've kind of swapped places. What you hope for is that they can both hit their strides coming in the tournament. But Tierra Huntsman's had an awful last few games. Even got benched in a game in favor of Kaija Stanford, and Stanford didn't disappoint in that game. She had five assists. You know, you look at, just going a little bit beyond this weekend, we mentioned how this game is important for seeding. You would really like to pick up this victory so you stay in that three spot because if you fall to four or five, if you're four, you play five. If you're five, you play four. So you're really looking at a tougher matchup than if you manage to stay in that three seed. Yes, you get a first-round bye, no matter what. It's nice to play one less game. But, Brendan, we touched on a little bit earlier. To make a deep run in the tournament, I'm, I know I'm looking a little bit ahead of this Longwood game, but that bench production has to be there come next weekend for the tournament as well to make a long run, in my opinion. Well, and the other thing about that is that when you sit in the three seed, you're guaranteed to play either six or 11. If I know if if the bracket is working the same way for the guys that it is the girls, how nice would it be to sit there and go, you know what? More than likely we're gonna play either High Point, who we've beat twice, or a Winthrop team who we split against, but have now lost two first team Big South preseason players. Not 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 in a way where it's like, oh, wow, they've lost players, yay. But they are a much weaker team than they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be a team. I think they were second in the preseason poll. So you're sitting at Gardner and you're like, okay, well, a win against Longwood guarantees you get a favorable, I'm not saying a guaranteed win, but a favorable matchup in the first game in which you play. Women's lacrosse now, <clears throat> they play on Saturday against St. Francis, Pennsylvania, Still looking for the first one of the season, but we've definitely seen improvement, Tyler. We've seen improvement. Beginning to put, score more goals as the season advances. Playing in a little bit closer ball games. Why not pick up your first win on this Saturday? Nice little victory to head into spring break for these running Bulldogs students. It'd be a nice time to pick up that first victory. That would be a great time to pick up the first victory. Hopefully they can do so. Already looking better than last year's team, Tyler. And if you haven't had a chance to come out and watch this team, come out, support, and come out and watch this team really make history. Not very often do you get a brand new team uh, out of college, and obviously last year being the first season. Hopefully they can make more strides and do bigger and better things this season. This is going to be your your little topic here because you're the one who wanted to touch on it. We've had a lot of accolades over the last week. It's about that time of the season where these quote-unquote winter sports are wrapping up and you have to give out your your Big South Player of the Years and all-conference teams. So, Tyler, just, just take it away. Well, looking a little bit at the accolades, this wrestling team that has picked up two victories on the season over ranked 
nationally ranked opponents, has three wrestlers get named to the All-SoCon Conference team. You have Chris Vassar, Austin Trott, and Hunter Gamble. And I mentioned there being three guys. That's interesting in the fact that only 10 wrestlers get named to this team. Gardner-Webb accounting for nearly a third of those. And then going back to a player that we mentioned is key come tonight and for Gardner-Webb to make a run in the tournament, Tyrell Nelson, named to the All-Big South second team and the Big South All-Academic team. Kudos to those guys going out there, picking up placements on these teams. But then, Brendan, it becomes interesting for those of you that have listened to us every week. We have an Athlete of the Week. And for the first time, it wasn't a unanimous decision between Brendan and I. So I'm going to state my case this week for the Athlete of the Week. Should be Colin Thacker, named the Big South Player of the Week. It has a 692 batting average in the four games over the weekend. Goes 9 of 13 at the plate. Has four walks as well, putting his on-base percentage over 700 in the weekend series. Only has two RBIs, but they're both huge ones. Both walk-offs to pick up wins for the running Bulldogs. My case is Colin Thacker. Brendan, what direction are you going in? Well, we're talking to her here in a little bit, and for me, maybe I'm a little biased, but it's got to be Candace Brown. For the sole reason of this, something you forgot to mention is Colin got the Big South Player of the Week for baseball. Candace got the Big South Player of the Week for women's basketball. And again, I hate to, to beat a dead horse, but she's a guard. That averaged a double-double this weekend, you know, over the last week. 17.5 points, 10 rebounds in the last two games. One being on senior night. That was a big thing. We've already talked about that a little bit. But go and play a road game against the hottest team in the Big South and come away with 21 points, 9 rebounds. Honestly, you look at a player who's in the top 10 in rebounding, the only guard in the top 10 in rebounding, number one in the conference in terms of scoring, First on her team in assists. First on her team in steals. This is a, a player that it'll almost be disgraceful if her or Olivia doesn't win player of the year. She's my athlete of the week for, for the sole reason, not of necessarily player of the year. On your senior night, you're the one who stepped it up. You're leading this team down the stretch. And let's face it, this is Candace Brown's team. So... After talking about Candace Brown for so long, let's bring her in. We got Candace Brown on the phone right now. Candace, you got your third Big South Player of the Week award, most in the conference. Your team is looking really good, fighting for that number three seed. You have a big game against Longwood this weekend. What is it going to take to get the W against Longwood and lock up that third seed? Um, I just think that we need to uh, go to Longwood Focus. It's going to be a really hard game. We're playing them on their senior night, and it's really hard to play over in Longwood. Just as long as we go over there, play focus and play hard, um, and we need to go in the tournament on a good win. So as long as we go over there, focus, we should be good. Candice, right now you are in the top 10 in rebounding, the only guard in the top 10 in rebounding. As of the last game, you're now number one in the league in scoring. What have you done to become a versatile threat uh, on every phase of the game this season? Um, in the offseason, I worked really hard on my um, outside shooting. I really need to work on that. And um, as for rebounding and the other stuff, I just kind of always work hard in the game. I think it's really all about effort and rebounds. I just go for it. So 
another question for you is going into the tournament, you guys have played these top-tier teams a few times. You've split against some of these top-tier teams, but you've also split against some of these lower-tier teams. How do you guys make sure you go into the tournament, again, with the right mindset and make sure you come away with big wins down the stretch? Um, well, we know it's do or die in the tournament. In um, a few games, we haven't came focused, and we lost to some teams that we shouldn't have. So we just need to go and focus and ready to play for all games. So um, it's do or die so we can win the championship. All right, thanks, Candice, and best of luck to you on Saturday against Longwood. Well, that's all we have for this podcast. Thanks for joining us. As always, follow us on Twitter, GWU Doghouse. Go ahead, Tyler, what you got? And what I would like for you to do is when you follow us and tweet at us, let us know who you think should have been the player of the week. Am I right with Colin Thacker, or is it Brendan with Candace Brown? Getting the fans into this. All right. You just trying to prove a point here, buddy? A little bit. Just okay. a little bit. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter, GW Doghouse. That's G-W-U-D-A-W-G-H-O-U-S-E. Make sure you subscribe to WGWG.org on SoundCloud to catch all these podcasts. You can get them for instant download. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to talking to you next time.